One of the worst hit sectors of the economy from the COVID-19 pandemic in Canada was the airline industry. What will it take Canadians to resume flying the friendly skies? Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. The numbers were staggering for airlines and their employees. 20,000 cuts at Air Canada, 4,000 at WestJet, another 3,300 at Air Transat. Stakeholders have appeared before the House of Commons Health Committee to plead their case to loosen restrictions on the industry. Both Air Canada and WestJet have cut back on separation of passengers by now allowing the purchase of adjacent seats. The airline industry is also looking for a bailout due to the damage from the pandemic and consumer groups. They want to see strings attached to those funds. Now, if a recent Leger survey of Canadians is any indication, the airlines will have to work hard to get them back. Almost three in four say they don't feel comfortable flying in particular since the spacing requirement was relaxed. What will it take for the industry to recuperate? And what will it look like? Should the government provide bailouts to the carriers? Just a few questions we'll tackle on the show. First, we'll start from the passenger's perspective. Gabor Lukacs is the president and founder of Air Passenger Rights, and he joins us now. And Gabor, when airlines announced they were no longer keeping passengers separated by a seat, what reaction did you get? I I was quite shocked to hear that. It was a very poor decision, both from a perspective of public health, which raised concerns with provincial public health experts, and also from the perspective of public relations. Yeah, obviously, in terms of public relations, this this is not going to help. Now, did you get a lot of reaction or was that just your reaction? Passengers in our 34,000 strong Facebook group were concerned about it as well. And I've spoken to people who have fear of traveling this way. They might have risked it if they had proper physical distancing on the board, but not without it. From your move, is this move to fill up airlines by reducing separation? Do you think that's going to help or hurt the industry? The airlines were trying to increase revenue because the more butts you can put in the seat, as they say, the higher revenue you can have because the operation of the flight to a great extent is a constant cost per flight. Um, That would not work in this situation because of the backfiring, the backlash of the fear of getting infected on board. So it was a good idea on the paper, a very poor idea in practice, I'm afraid. I would imagine this would create a big liability issue for airlines as well, would it not? Liability is not necessarily the greatest concern of airlines right now, unfortunately, because they fear or know that uh, if they don't do something, they may be facing additional liabilities. So the airlines have been unfortunately feeling quite sheltered due to the current government's irresponsible behavior. They feel that the government will not crack down on their unlawful behavior, even if it is putting passengers' health or money at risk. You say the federal government's irresponsible behavior. Which which behavior is irresponsible? I'm referring to the federal government's failure to enforce the laws with respect to refunds owed to passengers Mm. whose flights were cancelled, and also to turn the recommendations to maintain physical distancing on board into legally binding regulations. Gabor Lukacs is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's president of Air Passenger Rights as we talk about COVID-19 and airlines resuming flights in Canada. And, uh, you know, we've been talking an awful lot about uh, the airline industry, bailouts for the industry. Is this something that's required in your view? I'm not convinced that it's required. What I'm sure is that 
Currently, due to the Canadian Airlines shabby corporate conduct, there is absolutely no appetite for it in the public mind, in the court of public opinion. People's money has been stolen by those airlines. They refuse to refund money that is owned to the passengers for canceled flights. And therefore, people have no love lost on the airlines that stole their money. Economically, looking at Air Canada's books, there is no immediate need for a bailout. I don't see that. They have many billions of dollars, whether it's, whether it is eight, nine, or ten, that can be debated. But uh, even if they were to refund the two point six billion dollars they say they owe to passengers, they would still be left with well over uh, five billion dollars, possibly more, like six or seven, depending on how much money actually they have. With Air Transit, they also have substantially more cash on hand than the amounts owed to passengers. So it may be true that if the pandemic drags on for a year or two, they may eventually need some source of uh, additional funding to uh, kind of bridge funding to survive. Uh, I don't see an immediate threat to those corporations. Certainly they have not made a convincing case for that. And ultimately, when we are dealing with a private business, it is the shareholders that have to prop it up, not the government. I am mindful of the fact that travel by air is a strategic industry in Canada. But uh, especially when it comes to Air Canada, we have to bear in mind that uh, it was a corporation that engaged in uh, share buybacks. So there has to be some financial consequences for irresponsible financial conduct. And that has to come from the shareholders' pocketbooks. Having said that, I would not be completely opposed to Canada implementing a German model bailout where Lufthansa received about $9 billion in bailout in exchange for 20% of shares in the company. So almost private, or nationalizing the industry or nationalizing the company. Nationalizing it would not be a good idea, but a minority stake might be a good idea to ensure that it is not simply a loan where uh, the the assets to back it may or may not be there. Twenty uh, percent is also in a way the right, around the right amount, uh, maybe twenty five percent. That there is still seventy five percent of shareholders who are running after their own money, so uh, the state can have more control over what is happening within the corporation and have more access to information about what is happening within the corporation. But you still have other shareholders who need to put in their money into the corporation. As an advocate for passenger airline passengers, considering the current situation in Canada right now, do you feel safe and comfortable flying in this country? Absolutely not. I would not get on the plane unless there is an absolute dire emergency of an injured or dying relative at the other end. I canceled my travel to Europe uh, and I'm not going there because I have an 90-year-old grandmother whom I don't want to infect. I also know that my money would not be safe with Canadian Airlines because they may cancel my flight, not rebook me on another flight even, and to refuse to give me a refund. What will it take to get you flying again? I would like to see uh, some form of testing on the one hand. Um, there are some news that there may be in coming months or years uh, instant testing for COVID-19. And I would like to see clear guarantees and enforcement mechanisms to ensure that if a flight is canceled, for whatever reason, the very least, passengers get back their money. 
Good morning. I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. Gabor Lukacs is the president of Air Passenger Rights. As the airline industry tries to make its way in our pandemic world, it appears there will be changes the next time you check in. Carl Moore is an expert on the airline industry, an associate professor at the Desertel Faculty of Management at McGill University and an associate at the Green Templeton College at Oxford University. And Carl, you are in support of government help. Why is that? Well, when you look at it, the airline industry, not only in Canada, but indeed around the world, is in the worst shape it's ever been. This is the greatest crisis. And I've talked to uh, several uh, airline CEOs and Tony Tyler, who was the CEO of Cathay Pacific and IATA, the International Airline Transport Association, and other people in the field. And they cannot remember a time when it was this bad, including 9-11, the financial crisis, uh, and so on. So it's extraordinary time here in Canada, but indeed around the world. And when we look around the world, we see in the EU and the US and uh, major countries in Asia, where governments have provided support for their airline, their airlines. And so in my mind, it's something we should certainly very seriously take a look at. How should the Canadian government support the airline industry in our country? And in, in terms of that, well, like what kind of help are, are you looking at? Well, one level, you know, the devil's in the details. Mm-hmm. And I've done a bit of work with uh, uh, Transportation Canada, which Mark Garneau is a minister of. And one thing I looked at with them as a consultant was, should they increase the Canadian ownership to 49%? So I've done some work with them. They're very knowledgeable of the industry, very knowledgeable of Canada and the federal government. It's between them and Air Canada, WestJet, and the other airlines, Porter, and so on, to, to decide what form it should take for the Canadian context. And so the support in the U.S. is interesting, support in the EU and Asia and so on, but it's something for the particular airlines we have, and it's a smaller set than when you look at the EU or the U.S. You know, we have three bigger airlines, Air Canada and WestJet are the two big ones, Air Transat, which is being bought by Air Canada, uh, Porter, which is much smaller, a few thousand employees, and it drops down dramatically after that. There's a new one that announced that they're starting to uh, fly probably about two months this week from Quebec to Sun Destination. So it's a bunch of small players. <clears throat> but it's something where we got to have a made-in-Canada solution. So I'm not entirely sure what that is, but I think one is financial support, but not ownership positions I don't think is the best thing. I think the government can demand some things like no more stock buybacks, no more um, or a reduction in executive compensation, and, and things like that, and um, continued service to smaller cities in Canada, which last week Air Canada announced they were cutting a number of flights from smaller cities, and the mayors and the premiers rightly were very concerned about that because it really does make those economies in the smaller cities much more marginal. So <clears throat> those... I lived in Regina for a couple of years and so uh, worked for IBM there, and so no in a smaller city, and, and again, a bunch of the other cities, even smaller in Regina, it really does impact their world and their ability to be successful economically if they don't have airline service. So those would be the strings attached to any bailout? Yeah, I think those at the broad level in terms of how much money and so on. The second level of support <clears throat> sorry, that the government can provide is allowing the airlines to fly to other destinations outside Canada. And that's something where the government has some 
ability to negotiate with other governments that the airlines can't. And to have a, a more open policy is certainly what Kaylin Revanesco, the CEO of Air Canada, is pushing for. On the other side of that is the healthcare, you know, mm-hmm. issue of should we open up, for example, the states? And I think most Canadians would agree this is not the time to do that, given the number of cases down there and how the cases are rising. But can we open up in a safe way? It's good for the airlines. It's good for Canadian business. It's good for the tourism industry. So it's not just the airlines themselves. There's a lot of jobs, hundreds of thousands that are associated with tourists and business people coming to our country. What do you think the airline industry will look like as restrictions are lifted in Canada? Well, it's interesting. I flew last week, um, last Tuesday, from Montreal to Toronto and back. So I went down WestJet and came back in Air Canada and met with officials at both uh, Trudeau and Pearson airports to kind of say, just tell me what you've been doing and what care you're taking of your employees and your passengers. And they did a very impressive job to both um, airports, you know, showing me what they'd done and making me feel more comfortable. And from reading stuff and talking to chief economists, for example, at IATA, some people at ICAO, which is the International Civil Aviation Organization, part of the UN, which is headquartered here in Montreal. I think they're doing the right things. They've also consulted with people like the Mayo Clinic and um, WHO and so on. I add in ICAO certainly have. In order to understand the healthcare perspective, part of it is that the employees at the airport, and there are thousands of them at both airports, and the employees on the airplanes are more exposed than you and I. If we travel, like I travel, I've traveled once in four months. So I'm on the plane for a few hours, but those people work at the airports. They work on the planes and they're, they're a member of the family, whether, you know, part of the airport family or the Air Canada, WestJet or Porter family, where they are, the executives are genuinely concerned because these are people they work with for years. They've got to know, they appreciate. And, and so they have a very strong self-interest to make sure that their employees are safe. And it's also, they have a self-interest that if reports get out that people were on flights and it's a good way to catch COVID-19, that's a, you know, that really is a bit of a kiss of death to a certain degree, at least for the airline industry. So the airlines, I felt comfortable being on the flight, though I'm a bit slightly nervous about people sitting right beside me. Carl Moore is joining us in the Unpublished Cafe, an expert on the airline industry and associate professor at the Desertel Faculty of Management at McGill University as we talk about COVID-19 and airlines resuming flights as, uh, well, the owners of uh, all the, the airlines have been at to Parliament Hill asking for restrictions to, to be eased a bit. You know, considering the prevalence of Zoom meetings over the last four months, Carl, do you expect that will take a big bite out of business travel? I think so. I mean, I, I have a radio show uh, in Montreal where I interview CEOs for an hour one-on-one. And the big question, one of the big questions over the last four months is, has this changed how we do business? Because five months ago, if you remember that far back, people would say, no, I want to see you. I want you to be at your desk. I want you to be in the office. And part of it was micromanagement, but part of it was generally innovation, creativity, people liking to connect with other people they work with. But this has made us rethink that. And, and so one of the questions that we'd be looking at, and a legitimate one is saying, is the world going to change? And I think it will. And that's what a lot of CEOs have told me in interviews that um, 
they're going to have their, allow their people to work at home more, and it means less business travel to get to the airlines. So why fly all the way to Vancouver from Montreal, spend all that time and money and hotel and everything else when I can do a, an hour Zoom call? And that will occur to a lot of people just because they've been doing it for months. Now, on the flip side of that is a lot of senior business people say, you got to go schmooze customers sometimes. You got to go and yeah. see them. You got to listen to them. You got to go see their factory. There's a certain amount of having to be there, which is part of a hardwiring human being. But undoubtedly, business travel will be less because we discovered the joys of Zoom. How do you see the airline industry innovating in this new world? Well, certainly, uh, you know, in the, the protection viewpoint, wearing masks and either COVID-19 and making sure you're safe, that's something which is very central to it. But they need to get load levels, how many of the seats are filled, into the 70s to make money. And, and you know, you rethinking how you do that, they've done a lot of that. So a certain point of you got to pay for the lease on the plane, you got to pay for the fuel. That makes a difference how expensive it is down, so that's helpful. But you really need to have people paying revenue to you to be on those, in those seats. So it's hard to be um, – I mean, they are going to – thousands of people have been laid off, and many of those won't come back. Many of them will retire or just go into another business. So that's going to be you know, a real change there. But it's hard to see some magic in, in terms of their business model. One of the pieces of magic has been, you know, low-cost airlines where you're jammed in there. Mm-hmm. Now, in a COVID-19 world, that's less attractive, though the low, low prices are. So it's something where um, there'll be some innovation, uh, you know, and some employees working from home and so on. But you, you don't want your pilot working from home. You want him or her <laughs> in the cockpit, obviously. Yeah, yeah. What will it take to make passengers feel safe on flights? I think ultimately it'd be a vaccine that works and the, you know, a mm-hmm. considerable number of the people were having had the vaccine. So it's return to that, which will be the ultimate, but that'll be a couple of years off. Now, July 1st, Air Canada and WestJet said they would put people in the middle seat and in the U.S. have been doing that for a couple of weeks longer. Assuming that there's no uh, negative effects from that, psychologically, like when I flew to Toronto, Montreal, um, last week, um, I had the row to myself for three seats, and then there was a family with a baby over there, a person in front of me. I think the person beside me, rubbing shoulders with me, I'm a you know a large man, just makes me wonder. And I, I, I can you know I can hear from the WHO and IAD and IKO, it's all right, but it's still something where, given what we've gone through, psychologic is going to be tough to come to that conclusion. I think for a while for most Canadians. You know, some airlines may go down due to the impact of the pandemic. What, what, what's, what uh, impact do you see on competition in the industry? Well, certainly there's already airlines gone bankrupt in Mexico and U.S. and so on. We have fewer airlines in Canada. And relatively good shape, but like Air Canada, 95% of its flights went away. Like that's really hard to sustain an incredible, unprecedented drop in revenue. I think what we'll see is bankruptcies of a number of airlines around the world, but we'll also need government support to keep airlines. And Canada is the second largest country in the world. We're relatively underpopulated. We're spread out uh, in a number of major cities across the country. So from a viewpoint of business, of family, 
of tourism, we need to have airlines. You can't taking the train from Montreal to Vancouver does not look uh, average, uh, you know, appealing compared to a six-hour flight. So there's just something where I can drive to Ottawa, and that's fine. Starting to drive to Toronto from Montreal, it's five or six hours. It's starting to be taking time, but to Vancouver, I'm not going to drive unless it's a family holiday. Yeah, exactly. Carl, I want to thank you for joining us. My pleasure. Carl Moore is Associate Professor of the Desertel Faculty of Management at McGill University, as well as an expert on Canada's airline industry. While the industry tries to find its feet and get more flights in the air, there are still some concerns about health. Don Davies is the MP for Vancouver Kingsway and the NDP health critic, and he joins us now. And Don, do you see the airline industry as critical to the Canadian economy? Well, I, I certainly do. Uh, you know, the, the airline industry not only is um, you know, important from for us from a social and cultural and uh, personal point of view, but it's it's an integral part of our economic infrastructure as well. Now, what's your reaction to Air Canada and WestJet easing restrictions on separation of seats on airlines? Well, I, I think it's absolutely unjustifiable from a public health point of view, and it contradicts every single thing that our public health officials and, and chief medical officers are telling us about uh, safe um, behavior as we try to come out of the COVID-19 crisis. You know, from, from the beginning, uh, we've been told that physical distancing is the single most important thing that we can do. And uh, really, from the beginning of the, the COVID-19 crisis, uh, the Transport Canada has made it voluntary for airlines to respect those, and they, and they by and large have until recently. And on July 1, the major airlines, Air Canada and WestJet, Uh, decided that they were no longer going to respect physical distancing guidelines. They were going to fill cabins to capacity. And I think it's uh, very dangerous for us. What's Transport Canada's reaction to that? Well, it's been weak. Uh, uh, I've called upon Transport Canada to, uh, in light of that, make it mandatory that airlines enforce physical distancing requirements like we've done for many other industry sectors, you know, from theaters to grocery stores to, um, uh, you know, to, to, to businesses that are operating in our community. Um, but so far, Transport Canada has been silent on it and, and they've refused to uh, take that next necessary step. You know, I, I understand one airline now uh, in Canada charges you more to have an empty seat beside them. And considering what we've talked about that, I, I wonder, is that even ethical? Well, I don't think so. Um, I mean, that was, I think, an airline called Flair operating out of Edmonton was charging yeah. people to keep the uh, middle seat empty. And I don't think public safety should be for sale. And I don't think it should be optional. Uh, and I think that, uh, particularly in a sensitive time, as, we, as we're, we're making such progress and people have sacrificed so much, it would be nonsensical and I think irresponsible in the extreme for us to risk that progress uh, simply because you know, airlines uh, you know, want to make more profit. Now, I would point out that some of these airlines fly into hotspots in the U- U.S. like California, Nevada, um, uh, Florida, uh, where we're seeing huge spikes in COVID-19. And so this is just a really, really puzzling uh, situation. I can't understand why Transport Canada and the federal government are stepping in. You know, that that's something I was wondering. The consideration for international flights in particular from, from the U.S., is, you know, well, right now we're not supposed to have anything but not but 
uh, essential travel between Canada and the U.S., but uh, the airlines seem to want to open that up a bit more. Well, they are flying there, and and of course, um, they're carrying passengers uh, between the two countries. They're just passengers that are traveling for essential purposes, but it doesn't mean that they're not potentially contagious or going to transfer uh, COVID-19 from between the countries. Now, look, the, the airlines have claimed that they have a layered approach and they can do this safely for two main reasons. They say that they're enforcing wearing of masks and they're also saying that they're taking temperature checks. But here's the science and reality of that. Dr. Teresa Tam, Canada's chief medical officer and every officer across the country has repeatedly said that masks, as helpful as they can be, are no substitute for physical distancing. And second, and here's the biggest one that's most puzzling to me, is Dr. Teresa Tam co-authored a uh, report after the SARS outbreak in 2003. And she reviewed the temperature checks we did then. And she found that we tested 6.3 million passengers coming on and off airports and failed to detect one single case. And now we know with covid 19 that people can carry it and and, uh, transmit it asymptomatically Mm -hmm. so you could have absolutely no symptoms no temperature at all and you could be carrying covid the covid uh, virus so we know that that's absolutely ineffective in fact that's the word Teresa Town used was ineffective so the very excuses and reasons the airlines are given to claim that they can pack cabins to the gills safely are completely contradicted by what our own chief public health officer, the federal one, is is saying. So I'm just calling on the federal government to listen to their own chief medical officer. Don Davies joining us on the Unpublished Cafe, MP for Vancouver Kingsway, and the NDP health critic is. So we discuss COVID-19 and the airline industry trying to open up. What kind of innovations do you want to see in the airline industry coming out of this? Well, going back to your very first, I think, really important question about the importance of the airline sector, we all recognize that. And and we we want it to be operating as, as much as we can, but we want to make it operate safely. So I think two things. One is we have to find a way to continue the, the process of having physical distancing on aircraft. They were doing it before. They can do it again. Now, obviously, there's an economic cost to that. So I think the federal government has to put together a temporary relief package uh, for the airline industry that allows them to continue flying and to, to do so you know, without losing money. Um, to do so safely. That means you can't pack the cabins to capacity. That means there's a lost revenue. It's got to be made up somehow. So I think that's where the federal government should put its, its, policy, uh, uh, its policies in place instead of s- sacrificing public safety for economics. And in terms of, uh, you know, you talk about uh, basically a bailout package for for the industry. What kind of strings attached do you want to see? Uh, Well, I I think, you know, the NDP, we we continually uh, want to make sure that any public dollars that are used for recovery uh, are are targeted and and spent for the purpose that they're intended for. What we don't want to see is that money coming out uh, in executive compensation or to shareholders um, or di- diverted um, outside of the operations. So I think that those are the kind of conditions that we should make sure uh, are attached to federal funds is that they go into making sure that we're connecting Canadian cities um, and and that this is trans- I guess it's, um, 
it's transferring into flights for Canadians, but to do so safely. The other thing I wanted to point out is, you know, we're not allowing places like theaters to have people sit elbow to elbow, chest to back, um, or any other business. And those places with high ceilings and usually access to outside uh, fresh air. An airline cabin is not like that. It's the floating cigar tube. And although the airlines claim that they have HEPA filters and other uh, air cleaning systems, they put on every aircraft, and those are simply not completely effective. And so you're in a confined environment where air is being recirculated. And so that's why I think we have to take every single measure that we possibly can. And, and that includes, I think, very importantly, the physical distancing that I'm calling for. Don, I want to thank you for joining us. It was a real pleasure. Thank you for your interest and time. Don Davies is the MP for Vancouver Kingsway and the NDP health critic. And this leads to our unpublished.vote question. Would you feel comfortable taking a flight in Canada right now? Yes, no, or unsure? You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote and make your voice heard. I want to thank Gabor Lukacs. He's the president and founder of Air Passenger Rights. Carl Moore, associate professor of the Des Hotel Faculty of Management at McGill. He's also an expert on Canada's airline industry. And Don Davies, the MP for Vancouver Kingsway and the NDP health critic. And I want to thank you for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.